What a wonderful morning. What a great time. And Brad, thank you for setting me up. Boy, you just teed up the ball for me, and now all I have to do is swing and see how far we can hit it. Turn with me in your Bibles this morning, if you have a Bible. If not, just follow along. I know you just sat down, but if you are able and willing, I would ask you to join me for the reading of the Word as we stand together. And the reading of the Word, the passage is going to sound an awful lot like what we've just been singing. And I want you, especially if you're not, if you don't have a Bible in your hand, I want you to just be looking around you, and I want you to think of what the psalmist is telling us about this wonderful creation that we are standing in right now. The psalmist in Psalm 104 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty, covering yourself with light as with a garment, stretching out heaven like a tent. He lays the beams of his upper chambers in the waters. He makes the clouds his chariot. He walks upon the wings of the wind. He makes the winds his messengers, flaming fire his ministers. He set the earth upon its foundations so that it should never be moved. You covered it with the deep as with a garment. The waters stood above the mountains. At your rebuke, they fled. At the sound of your thunder, they hurried away. The mountains rose. The valleys sank down to the place that you appointed for them. Isn't that interesting? We're in an indentation of the earth right now that God ordained. This is the place that he intended a valley to be between the mountains that surround us. You set a boundary that they may not pass over so that they will not again cover the earth. You make springs gush forth in the valleys. They flow between the mountains. They give drink to every beast of the field. The wild donkeys quench their thirst. Beside them the birds of the heavens dwell. They sing among the branches. He waters the mountains from his upper chambers. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of his works. You cause the grass to grow for the livestock and plants for man to cultivate so that he may bring forth food from the earth and wine to gladden his heart, and oil to make his face shine, and bread to strengthen his heart. The, cedar, the trees of the Lord drink their fill, the cedars of Lebanon which he planted. In them the birds build their nest, the stork has her home in the fir trees. The high mountains are for the wild goats, the cliffs are a refuge for the pika, he made the moon for the seasons. The sun knows the time of its setting. You appoint darkness, and it becomes night. When all the beasts of the forest prowl about, the young lions roar after their prey, seeking their food from God. When the sun rises, they withdraw and lie down in their dens. Then 
man goes out to his work and do his labor until evening. O Lord, how many are your works? In wisdom you've made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. Here is the sea, great and broad, in which are swarms of creatures without number. Animals, both small and great, there the ships move along, and Leviathan, which you have formed to play in it. They all wait for you to give them their food in due season. You give to them, they gather it up. You open your hand, they are satisfied with good. You hide your face and they are dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die and return to their dust. You send forth your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the ground. Let the glory of the Lord endure forever. Let the Lord be glad in his works. He looks at the earth and it trembles. He touches the mountains and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. Let my meditation be pleasing to him. As for me, I shall be glad in the Lord. Let sinners be consumed from the earth. Let the wicked be no more. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. Father in heaven, we are out here today in the midst of that which we've just read. Your creation surrounds us. We stand in awe. Our breath is short and taken away when we see the splendor of what it is you have created from the, the granite mountains that are behind me to the beautiful, pristine alpine lake that is before me, from the mountains on both sides with their towering pine trees lifting to the sky and wandering through them, your created creatures. And here before me, here in this place, the crowning glory of all of your creation, mankind, created in your image. And of all of it, you said, it is good. It is very good. Father, I pray that in the few minutes we have together in your word this morning, that you would awaken us once again and fill our hearts with wonder and awe at our God and his creation in which he generously shares with us a picture of himself and his power and his grace. It's in the name of your son, our savior Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I thought these words were appropriate for our gathering this morning because we're surrounded by that of which we've just read. The sun, the clouds, the mountains, the lakes, the streams, vegetation, wildlife, and mankind. All created by God and then regulated with the rhythms of seasons which he has ordained. Winter and spring and summer and fall and then the repeat of it over and over and over and over again. What I want to bring to your attention today is that everything you see around you and overhead, all of it was spoken into existence by God. Almighty God, creator of the heavens 
and the earth. In Hebrews chapter 11, the third verse, we read these words. By faith, how is it? By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Let me just read that real quickly once more. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. What does this mean? Well, bottom line is God didn't have a kit. God didn't have a box full of earth parts. He started with nothing. That's what this is saying. Everything you see, the created or around us, came from nothing. There was nothing but an empty void. And out of that void, God spoke to things into existence that never were before. Are you with me? I know we have a hard time comprehending the nothingness of a cosmos that had nothing in it. We've been raised seeing the wonder and the glory of God. But God's word tells us one time there was nothing. There was a time before the foundations of the earth where God spoke and what is came to be. Often we hear people saying things like, have you seen what he or she created? Now I hate to burst your bubble, all of you artisans among us, but man has never created anything, nor will he. He has simply rearranged that which God has created, be it paint or clay or stone or steel. I have yet to see an artist that started out with nothing and then made something. They all started out with some raw material. They rearranged that raw material with the talents and gifts that God has given them that cause us to sit back with wonder and awe at, at the, the genius and their own creativity in that sense. And we stand back and we appreciate all that. But they've never started out like God with a handful of nothing to begin with. God started with nothing. And from eight let there be statements from the book of Genesis, everything we see came into being. Let there be. Let there be. Let there be. Let there be. And through the divine fiat of the power of God's speech, that which never had existed came to be. God's creative genius, his fingerprints cover every detail of everything that has ever been created. So much so that the writer of Hebrews was able to write this. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and upright, uh, unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. 
For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and his divine nature, have been clearly seen ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. Everyone is born with this witness in his or her heart. Who made the mountains, who made the trees, who made the rivers flow to the sea, who sends the rain when the earth is dry, somebody bigger than you and I, who made the flowers to bloom in the spring, who made the song for the robins to sing, who hung the moon and the stars in the sky, somebody bigger than you and I. And we're all born with that innate knowledge that when we look out onto the creation, somebody bigger than you and I. In fact, I, I want to ask a question here. Anybody know who wrote that song? Come on, some of you. Terry Heilig, you ought to know that. You're old enough to remember. Elvis Presley wrote that song. <laughs> Even Elvis Presley knew there was somebody bigger than you and I. Let me tell you this. The truth of the matter is this. This inborn sense that wells up in our heart when we look on God's witness called creation has to be educated out of us. And it is by those who deny the existence of God and put the formation of this cosmos to chance. And today, our children in many of the schools, that's the mantra that they hear. There is no God. It all just happened. There is no plan. There is no designer. Mere random chance. Now, I'm a pretty simple guy. I'm a farmer at heart. I've lived most of my life by the KISS method. Keep it simple, stupid. I don't know my theory of relativity from my Hawkins razor. But I do know this, where I see design, I know there must be a designer. Like I said, I'm a farmer. I know all about barns. But every barn I've ever been to, somebody built it, somebody designed it, somebody erected it. Every tractor, every combine, somebody conceived of it and designed it and made it. Every car. Today, we could say every computer, every cell phone. They just didn't go poof. And all of a sudden, they were there. That simple pavilion behind you, it's pretty simple. It's got some wood and some metal in it. But somebody designed it. And somebody put it together. And I want to illustrate this to you this morning with my mousetrap. 
Now this is for a big mouse. His name's Victor. It has his name on it and it says, come Victor, come. Now I want you to think it with me a little bit. Humor me for just a little bit. My mousetrap has nine parts. Nine. That's all. Just nine. But if you take away any one of the nine parts, it will not work. You know that? So what do we have here? Let me see if I can hold this page down. We have a slab of wood. It makes up the foundation of the mousetrap. There are four staples that hold all the mechanism together. There's the dinner plate. It's where you lay out the scrumptious feast for Mr. Mousy. Load that dinner plate up. We call it, it's called the bait tray. And then there's a spring. It's the mousetrap's power source. And then there's the neck breaker. The business end of the mousetrap. Now I'm going to go out on a limb here. But I don't believe there's a person here today that would deny that this mousetrap made up of nine simple pieces had a designer And yet there may be some among us today that believe that the cosmos, with its billions upon billions upon billions of intricacies, just happened. No divine fiat, only random chance. I'm sorry, I don't have enough faith to believe that. I told you I'm kind of simple. And where I see design, I know that there is a designer. And if it's true about my $2 mousetrap, how true is it of the cosmos in which we live? If you recently watched any of the television programming that commemorated the Apollo program and the moon landing of 50 years ago. You probably heard the reading of Genesis 1 by the Apollo 8 astronauts, Frank Borman, Bill Anders, and Jim Lovell. They were the first men in history to slingshot around the moon. They didn't land on the moon, but they were the first men in history to go to the dark side of the moon and come back around. And as they came back around, guess what was rising over the horizon of the moon? The earth. The earth was rising over the surface of the moon. And in that moment, out of all the writings that have ever been committed to paper, there was only one that held the explanation of what it was they were witnessing. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And they went on to read chapter 1 of Genesis. Nothing else fit. Psalm 119.90 says, O Lord, you, you have established the earth. And it stands fast. 
You have established the earth. And it stands fast. And you know if we don't take that into heart, if we don't embrace that, if we don't believe it, then we wander about this earth aimless. Because it really has no purpose. You have no purpose. It's accidental. You're accidental. You live, you die, you become daisy fertilizer. And the next generation takes over. This isn't in my notes, so no extra charge for this. I find it very interesting that out of all of God's created order, out of all the trees and the mountains and the lake and the sky and the planets, out of all the animals, out of that dragonfly that's just flying by there, do you know that they are perfectly keeping the will of God for their life? There's only one created thing on the face of this earth that has rebelled against the plan of the creator and it's mankind it's the one that was created in his image the book of Romans goes on to say after God says that he made a witness of himself in creation it says that man has to suppress that he has to suppress it he has to suppress it and then he starts worshiping the tree rather than the creator of the tree and the fish rather than the creator of the fish and the bear instead of the creator of the bear he says, God, I don't need you. I can do it on my own. And so at the end of chapter 1, he goes like this. He says, okay, have at it. And if you read the last paragraph of Romans chapter 1, it names every single ill that is known to man on this planet, from disobedience to parents to, to war itself. And it says it's all a result of man saying, I don't believe in you. And I don't need you. And so our world today is where it is. Because people have bought hook, line, and sinker. It just happened. But thank God that in his providence and in his foreknowledge, the creator of the earth even knew that man would turn his back. And he made provision before the foundation of the world. Through his only begotten son, the Lord Jesus Christ. The one whom John says in chapter 1 was the creator of everything that we see. And when man turned his back and walked away, God came back to this earth in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ and redeemed his creation. That we may come back into his family, so to speak. And embrace once again the truths of which Psalm 104 tells us today. God did it. God did it. God sustains it. And through his grace, his common grace to all of mankind, he still gives us mountain and lakes and trees and animals. But then through a specific grace, he gives us life in his son. Life here, life now, life with him forever and ever. Amen.